Welcome to The Event Brew, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Event Brew. Is this thing ever going to end? That's the outro music never music. ends. Why did you point at me if you didn't need me to talk? Oh, because I want you to talk over the out- intro music. That for you that long? Talk like a DJ. Yeah, I, I mean, oh my god! Well, I mean, like... you can extend the hello, everybody. Oh my god, think I like just a DJ can't with you some days. Yeah, think yeah. like a DJ. Listen, I have spent my entire life ensuring that I never think like <laughs> a DJ. So we're not. You're gonna like start you now. only play Spotify on like completely random. You don't ever pick like a playlist or anything. Never, like that? never. I won't even go that far. I think. Dust that's an official silence. title, anti DJ. That's my preference. Is dead silence always? Yeah. Music well, a problem. Welcome back to Eventbrew. That was a hot mess of an intro, but in true Eventbrew style, um, we like to make it as difficult as possible to bring this to you. I'm joined by two of my favorite people on the planet, Will Kerr and Nick Borelli. How the hell are you, boys? Amazing. Uh, hydrated. Hydrated. That hydrate. Yes. Hydrate. hydrate. That is great. I think you're setting me up for uh, a great segue to say, Ooh. what uh, What are you gentlemen drinking today? Oh, what's got you hydrated, Nick? Just water, man. Uh, I'm like, oh, I, I, I've classic. only, this is uh, three weeks, I've only drank straight up water. Nothing but. Oh, you haven't drank any liquids other uh, than I should water? Say that. No, I take that back. Uh, I, I have one coffee a day. I always have. I guess I just take that as a gift. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. And then after that, I just uh, three weeks of water. I'd just like to bookmark today as May 9th, 2023. Doesn't matter what day this gets released or anything, but today Nick announced that he is three weeks sober on water. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that not, is. Not the, not, he don't, the, you got to pay attention yeah, to the last episodes. Okay, that was a terrible idea. We, okay, we I'm got just it, gonna, Will. We got yeah, okay. it. You, yeah. We don't need an explanation. Whatever. Health, if you're a true living. listener of the podcast, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> And if you're not, you've already left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah what, I'm in the wrong place. Uh, this is supposed to be do something with events, and yet this is going to be 15 minutes of coming, talking about water. Right. Well, what kind of organic tea are you drinking today? I'm just drinking my normal David Rio chai from San Francisco with some Oatly oat milk, mm-hmm. so a little chai latte in my little ember mug. It is very Great. delicious. How's the oat milk industry doing? Um, well, my stock oat in Oatly oat went milk. didn't okay. go too well <laughs> when I bought. No. Like when I told you guys a couple years ago, I bought it. It like went. It just continues to go down the slope. Um, but it seems that uh, oat milk is more popular than ever. So I don't understand oh. how stocks work at all. Apparently, well, maybe don't buy stock in milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. It's uh, it's really a weird choice. But hey, you're really like you're really <laughs> into tech, it, it's a, it's and a, you love tech. It's a very well. It's a very well current choice. To make, so <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, for, for the record, we're doing a series right now on event on a event type podcast of tech that you don't think is tech, and it's like we talked about shoes for a whole episode. So I guess oat milk is. 
tech that you don't consider tech. I think you may be right. You might be onto something, Will. I think you should research that a bit further and see yeah. if you can confirm that. Um, <laughs> well, I'm here. Uh, my name's Dustin, by the way, and I'm from the beautiful, beautiful Calgary, Alberta on Treaty 7 land in Alberta, Canada, where it is finally feeling a bit like spring. Um, I'm drinking a nice cold Diet Pepsi, which I have now decided that I am an absolute addict and I need to seek help to get off of this i don't know when it started i don't know why it started but it's the drink of choice now so we'll start by we'll make fun of you on this show for about sure. three years yeah and it takes then about three we'll years. get you to we'll get you sure. to three weeks of no no diet coke sure yeah, yeah if that, has that worked for any of us yet Just yeah we're from nick we made uh, fun of him like every episode for like three years it's a long journey <laughs> Yeah, but it was I have a feeling show, that, sure. that that Nick's change had nothing to do with us. Oh no, no, it was very much the pressure of this show <laughs> that makes me do a lot of things. Uh, no, I, I take it as a given. I'm going to be made fun of here. Uh, so yeah, I, that's uh, why we come here, right? Yeah, I, I would imagine. Yeah. We need somebody to make fun of Dustin for, anyways, because he, oh, he, he dishes make, it out. You make fun me. of the beer I drink. So you've really That's been true. making fun of what I've been drinking. Since I got you. I got you away from the crappy beer. Now I gotta get you off Diet Coke. <laughs> no, I still drink the crappy beer. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't tell you about it. Um, well, that's great. Like me and my oat milk. <laughs> just like you and your oat. Just things that you should keep to yourself. That's your problem, Will. Is that you just you walk into it every single time. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Great. Okay, gentlemen. Um, today we're talking about that fine line or that thick line, that line we walk between attendee data and privacy, um, which I think is like definitely like on people's minds lately. And um, there's some things that have popped up lately that I think are worth paying attention to. And um, yeah, I think let's crack this open and talk about attendee data and what we're doing with it, what we should be doing with it, what we shouldn't be doing with it. And um, yeah, who wants to kick it off? I think we've got a TechCrunch article that we want to use as a, a bit of a kickoff here. Yeah, Nick, can you tell explain what happened with uh, Mobile World Congress? Yeah, uh, so Mobile World Congress is a, is a pretty influential uh, consumer electronics show that takes place in Barcelona, Spain. Um, there is a, uh, an appeal uh, that is uh, against the show from their 2021 uh, iteration uh, that says that it has violated uh, GDPR, which is the General Data Protection Regulation uh, that covers Europe, uh, that um, they didn't meet uh, the data protection impact assessment. Uh, and therefore, um, show attendees had their uh, personal uh, identifiable information uh, violated based on their facial recognition check-in uh, uh, technology that they deployed. I believe a new technology at the, at the newer company uh, at that show. Uh, now, the upshot of, of this uh, was... Uh, technically, you know, it gives them some data collection, I mean, for sure, uh, less so on uh, about like insights and more so on uh, ease of use. So the idea is this, uh, you know, the check-in process is something that the uh, event tech has been probably from the very beginning of the origins of event tech uh, trying to figure out ways to streamline. And if you've opened your phone lately, 
the, the process of um, using your face as a key uh, is pretty a- ambiguous. It, it's something that's built into all the iPhones, uh, and it's a technology that's out there. Uh, so I, I believe the deployment of this was uh, for you know, uh, expediency. You know, you, you, you register ahead of time, you use your face, um, and uh, that's uh, all you need to get in the door. Um, the problem is, is that that creates a database uh, of uh, personal identified information, and that database uh, has you know, potential uh, uh, volatility, uh, and it's... Uh, you know, another level beyond other uh, data collection that uh, could be cross-referenced with other um, banks of information, uh, and, and then you're off to the races as far as a bad actor taking advantage of it. So uh, it's one of those things where um, the most aggressive uh, privacy protection in the world is in Europe, and uh, they're, they're the most likely to have an issue with this. Uh, I mean, second place might go to Canada, uh, California, and Australia are all kind of vying for that. But in, in the EU, it's a big deal. So uh, I, I think Mobile World Congress, as it is a place where people learn about new technologies, uh, I think they, they moved quickly, uh, and they used a company that might not have been um, mature enough to know that there's opportunities for data assessment uh, that you can uh, use, uh, and there's also lots of uh, legalities to consider. Um, I think they went for both novelty, and I think they wanted to uh, be kind of like first to to deploy. And with that comes risk, and they're they're looking at what looks like a fine of uh, two hundred thousand dollars, two twenty four American. Cover the four divided by eh, it's a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> uh, so you know Jesus. you don't want to do that um, if yeah. you can help it. Uh, yes, I mean I don't know it, like what, what could have they have qu- done differently. A d- couple deep questions. Sure. Um, uh, let's maybe go to the first more high level one how much of this is like an issue just for the fact that it's taking place in the eu which has like the strict like gdpr rules like do you think that this same exact issue potentially would happen in america with our lack of there for data privacy laws except for in california i mean it, 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 certainly california there's more uh, risk for this uh i think that if you're having eu citizens at your event there's uh, an opportunity. Yeah, there. that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So international events, I mean, w- you know, w- w- in the world where we live in, that's, you know, I mean, could happen any day for anything. Um, and and then there's just, uh, uh, let's let's call it PR blowback. That could happen anywhere where, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this is, at, you know, something where there's an, an increased amount of uh, data collection that's taking place. Uh, and then there's the, the worst case scenario of, uh, of this facilitating a bad actor's ability to, um, you know, do something malicious with this data. So then you're in a, you know, a completely different place of uh, vulnerability. So, yeah, I mean, while this one-to-one thing might not necessarily be the, uh, the given outcome in the United States, it's very easy for lots of other things to be triggered uh, in addition to that. Mm-hmm. And it sets precedents, right? Where it's yeah. like... 
it also it also sends a message to <clears throat> in our case it sends a message to attendees and says and say when you're not happy about you know things like this and the way your data is collected that you should go to court and that's that's really that's really dangerous for us and i think and i think the point about this is like you know there's sometimes this rush to get to market with things is a lot of what the problem is and you know i I'm probably the more free with my data. I think less about it and I worry less about it. And I'm not of the mindset where it's like, well, if you don't do anything wrong in life, you have nothing to worry about. I think that, you know, people accessing your data can be really, really dangerous. And I also look at it as, you know, there's, you know, in this case, there is a problem that needs to be solved. And we want that experience to be better. We want it to be better as producers and we want it to be better as consumers. And there's, like these are the things that are going to make that better and we have to find a way to do this in a way that is number one lawful and we have to find a way to do it in a way that respects people's privacy and you know it's it's you know i wonder how many people have really thought about where the facial recognition for their phone goes like i wonder if anybody's really thought about where is that stored does anybody actually know so i think it's funny that you know, we can harp on we can harp on certain things and say, well, I don't want that. And it's like, but you do accept that all the time and you don't fully understand where it goes. And I'm not saying that, you know, that your data with Apple is not safe. I'm just saying that, like, we don't fully understand how these things work. And there's there's as the event industry continues to move forward and advance in tech, I think we're going to see a lot of this. We're going to see a lot of this sort of this sort of pushback. And I also think a lot of attendees don't really care as much. I think that it's, it's I, if you really if you really care about this, you really, really care about this. And if you don't, you don't. I Here's I'm going to put something out there that is uh, maybe controversial uh, and maybe doesn't do me any favors, but I believe it to be true. Uh, B, the B2B attendee uh, has uh, the only outliers have a real strong feeling about where their information goes uh, when attending an event and the the vast majority don't and the reason for it Mm -hmm. is the social contract of attending a b2b event is based around visibility it's about i mean like and and i I do this example a lot so i'm i'm in I'm in, the, and right now, an analogous conversations to this, but not the same. In fact, like the full disclosure, like what the company I work for, Zenus, is the kind of cure to this and not like the same thing. And some people conflate them. So I immediately have to be like, we're not facial recognition. We don't collect any uh, personal information. Uh, we don't record pictures. We don't record videos. Uh, it, it instantly, the, the camera is a lens that translates your face into numbers. So... Right off the bat, like I don't, I don't do facial recognition. Um, that said, the the case for increased data collection at specifically, and I'm making the case for B2B events, is that no one even bats an eye about the idea that you put your name and where you live and hanging yeah. around your neck. Now, yeah. would you do that at the mall? Yeah. No. Like if you went to the mall, no, you'd be like, ew, that's weird. Granted, you know, like uh, maybe I take, my ba- I take my badge off the second I even see the door for the exit. <laughs> oh, I do because I do I, too because like, I feel like I I, well, for, not, for me, I take the badge off. Vegas with my name on my. Yeah, I take the badge off because I don't want to look like a tourist, and mm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to be look look like somebody who you know. It, it gives you a lot of information about you, right? Like, hey, yo, I'm from you know. It, it gives people a, an opportunity to to network with me, uh, and uh, you know, I'm I'm doing limited networking with homeless people these days. Uh, right. So, 
Uh, but, I mean, but <laughs> but really break that down from like a you know I know I know it's funny and most of us don't wear our badges around. So you're wearing your badge that has your name on it, where you live, in the hotel that you're staying. You are opening yourself up to problems. You are opening yourself up to, you know, somebody conning a front desk agent to get into yeah. your room. There's like sure. they've got enough information about you. Somebody that's really slick. Like it is. It's very true. It's not. They know what industry you're in, what show you're in, yep. what company you work for, where you live, and that's that. And now one, get this. It's one Google search to find out more about you. So totally. I think. It is, it's very Even valid easier. to say. And, and the we're, QR we're codes are usually super data rich too. Like you can, if, unless they're really smart and the QR code is one that is only uh, information to an, uh, a, an attendee ID, there's usually information baked into that that you could just take a camera and, and strip away from people, mm-hmm. just any phone, any person. Uh, so that's an issue too. <laughs> I, I was going to suggest something. This is just a radical idea that I think I, that I had that might be helpful for a lot of people. We always talk about like how, what conferences should you attend that teach you about an area that you're like not 100% like you as an event professional, it's something kind of adjacent, but not necessarily. Um, so this week there was a ton of news about uh, how the White House was, or I think it was today, like the White House is basically like paying to have people try to hack Google and ChatGPT and all these things like that to prove like what are the vulnerabilities um, and it was funny. One of my 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 buddies who's really in AI is like, I'm definitely going to go. To the, it's called DefCon, and I think like oh. Black Hat's uh, Black Hat and White Hat are uh, similar conferences too. But he was like, Yeah, I'm going to go to DefCon, and I was like, Dude, don't go with your phone. Don't go with your laptop. Like that, people there literally just for fun, just go hack stuff. I don't think a lot of ways it's extremely malicious, but like it could get. And I think that's potentially an event that if I were talked about an event that's completely outside the events industry. <laughs> ironically uh, go to that defcon conference and like I think like this stuff that we're talking about like like the idea that like the social engineering stuff that Dustin's talking about the fact that like hey how does facial recognition databases get hacked like all this stuff could be in there so that's just a random tidbit idea that I had around that topic but the, these that's areas they're talking so much about this and like in the events industry I put you know private data privacy agreements with all my my contracts and now it's like I'm in five to 20 hour long legal conversation with lawyers now for every agreement I do because like we need to make sure that we're protected in all the the right ways but it's funny how like as soon as like virtual events kind of disappeared no one cares about the data privacy agreements mm-hmm. anymore it's like yeah. literally like they just disappeared like but this stuff is still 100% relevant mm-hmm. yeah and, I mean and, and, and more so and and in a lot of ways even more so because you're when you're in person, you're exposing all of that data and then more. And then there's actually more access to you. You're, you may be actually safer in a virtual event than when you start adding in all these other layers that come to being in person. Yeah. The um, flip side is, I gotta, is that the data is valuable. You know, and like I don't want to... It's wanna, so valuable. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to have like anyone listening to this coming away with, okay, like I need to, you know, go back to... Uh, an antiquated Luddite way of, of doing events. We need to print our agendas out again. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but like being aware of this and, 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 you know, and maybe even working with, you know, a third party to be able to audit your, your event might is definitely the ticket, but like without the insights that you could gather from data, uh, then, you know, you're, you're really, you know, in the stone age of where things are, are going. So it's a tricky, you know, tightrope. And, and I, I guess that's mostly what we're talking about today is that um, either it's illegal um, eyes that you need to have on your event. I mean, I would say it's on either. It's, it's for sure that. Uh, and then also uh, uh, some sort of like third party audit. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Unless you have someone in your team who is just like an expert, but like I would imagine the scale of most organizations don't have that. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting once we get into. So we're, you know, we're talking about this in the lens of a producer making decisions about how they're going to collect data and facial recognition. What happens once this starts moving into like, you know, the you know the B two B when the the guy in the trade show brings some sketchy ass technology that's tracking and doing facial recognition that's outside of your. <laughs> you know, outside of what you're doing. Oh, so it's eventually it's going to be eventually, especially facial recognition, it's going to become so cheap, so easy to access that it's going to be deployed by other people other than the show producers. And then we have the challenge of figuring out how do we regulate that? What are the rules around that? Or will we allow it? Will we not allow it? What's our liability when somebody within our show is doing it? Wait till facial recognition becomes a button on somebody's shirt. That's just, that's, that's picking up information and tracking. So um, AR you know, glasses. If, uh, we're at the we're at the beginning. Yeah, AR glasses. You know what it reminds me of is like the mobile hotspot, like issues that we've run into with like trade shows. That like no one wants to pay for the, the hotel Wi-Fi, so then everyone brings a tra- the hotspot. So then therefore the cost of the or the, the speeds of the tower go down and congested with tons of different Wi-Fi networks and creates but, all these issues. It's like a similar malicious. thing. Like, I mean, and, and Listen, similar to I'll, that, like I'll stop, I'll stop bringing my mobile hotspot when <laughs> wireless connections yeah. are hundred fucking dollars. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, have, I think uh, we're all in the camp of like down with monopoly internet inside of one hundred percent. Yeah, but the, the other problem just, with the hotspots, I just deploy it to piss people off. I don't even have anybody <laughs> on it. I just have it so the venue sees that I have it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna get you a Wi-Fi jammer instead at DefCon, Justin, so you could just jam the Wi-Fi. Yeah, oh, I can't I'll even imagine. <laughs> How many, you know, uh, people are spoofing and and whatever there. But like the amount of, uh, you know, opportunities when that happens for people to uh, put similar named Wi-Fi, uh, you Mm. know, into spaces. It's so easy. Yeah, it's it's super easy. easy. And it's like. I could do it. And I don't know. Wait, real quick. (laughs) Circling back to the topic of the accessibility of like once this technology becomes everywhere. You know what this reminds me of is like when marketing automation tools started hitting their like their popularity and everybody Mm. was like, oh, I'm going to take I'm going to ask for a CSV export of the entire attendee list. And then you got marketed to just like drip campaigns like crazy. Um, and then like the person who went like badge scanning became popular would just like go around trade show floor and just scan, 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 scan. And like no permission scan people. It reminds me a little, a little bit of the, the second one less, but like reminds me a little bit of that. Like when people technology evolved, how do us as organizers then design our policies to have that sort of system and i think it's but a great topic because we need yeah. to be start putting this in our like our vendor our, our uh, exhibitor agreements you can't yeah. just scan people you can't bring a lead gen system maybe that's outside of our lead gen system i mean i don't i don't know it's gonna be interesting and i mean we didn't solve that problem i think that <clears throat> like the governments decided how we were going to use attendee data. It wasn't something that the industry was like, "Hey, let's get together and find a responsible way to use this data." It didn't come from that. Make sure it's going to make sure we make less money and has less contact with our attendees. It did not come from <laughs> us. And so that same thing is going to happen with all these new technologies. Is they're going to be deployed fast and furious. There's going to be a race to the bottom when it comes to their efficiency and their price. And then eventually the laws and the rules are going to catch up and there's going to be carnage in the middle. It's the, ex- it's the exact same thing. Exactly. Mm, yeah. We didn't fix that problem. We didn't sit back and go, how can we be more ethical about the way we do this? We capitalized on it. We overused it. We abused yep. it. And then we got it taken away. Yep. 
Yeah. And, and that's and the case because nobody gets to play with the email addresses anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to be well, fair, there's, there's lots of shady people that still do. I, yeah. Do, do any of you use like unique email addresses when you sign up for things? Uh, I've done like the plus thing and then I auto block it out. But now I basically have like a throwaway email, I think now. Yeah. When I when I know when I'm a bit suspicious about something or something I'm attending, I'll use I'll use a Do you use Apple's address. like hide my email thing? Yeah. Where it like it like it, I there's a couple of these like fast emails, burner email side things. It makes a fake email account that just goes straight yeah. to your email and then if you don't like the email coming in, you can just like destroy the email forwarding system basically. And um, you know where it came from. Yeah, and you know where it came from. Yeah, yeah. So you some, know, you I know think, who sold your data. Or I think which by the way, I, I used to do that in the trade shows. Uh, yeah, so, you put a plus at the end of your name. Uh, yeah, no, uh, no. I I worked for uh, a trade show where we would insert an email address, every uh, a fake email address, uh, with every one of the exhibitors, uh, and if anything was emailed uh, to that, so we give you here's your lead list. Oh, uh, if anything that's was, that's how you uh, monitored. You, yeah. that's how you monitored the exhibitors. That's yeah. good. Like that's yeah. good that's smart. I feel like that could be low tech. Co- that could, that could be like a company for sure. It's like a like yeah like accountability exhibitor accountability corp. Totally. It's a secret. It's a secret shopper, right? Like that's <clears throat> that's yeah. what it should be. We had fifty, you know, fifty email addresses, fifty exhibitors. Uh, you know, insert one of them into that list. Uh, if anything, you know, if they sold that list or moved that list, whatever, we could say who it came from. Uh, it, you know, it was in the wedding industry too, so it was like, you mm. know, small businesses, fast, you know, so fast and loose with the rules over fast, there. Fast, yeah, don't don't know the rules, unaware of the rules, uh, willfully. That's great. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I got another crazy story. I don't think I've ever shared it on this podcast before. We've talked about, like, I think on some other podcasts, but uh, Thorben from uh, Event Moby told a story once. I think it was on, like, Event Icons or something like that, that he was like, what pe- what happens is people accidentally publish the entire attendee list, CSV, onto, like, you know, whatever it is. And apparently, if you just go on Google and you search, like, attendee list dot then say file type colon CSV, oh, no. it literally will pull up Google results of just huge conferences that have accidentally like leaked their that that stuff somewhere just... indexed like on a wordpress page yeah. or you know like yeah exactly yeah because someone decided to upload it it was like oh this is the easiest way to share this with exhibitors let's like not put it in a google drive or something like that yeah. it's a great it's a great point though like when you think about you know we're talking about basic registration information which is dangerous and shouldn't be shouldn't be out in the world but when you think about a lot of the producers, like people we know that produce events, like they don't have complex IT systems. They don't have like, yeah. and it's, and that's just, that's the nature of the business. I don't have a complex IT system. Like I don't, I use something. I'm not going to say it now because we're talking about how people get hacked, but <laughs> like, I don't, I don't have an overly complex system. And you know, there's, there's probably vulnerable information within, within mine. We try and be very, very careful, especially with like exporting lists. And we try not to export them if we ever, ever don't have to, but but when you think about who are the people that are actually handling this data, like they're not in these big multi-billion dollar organizations mm-hmm. that have a corporate security division that's watching over their IT. They're and they're they're smaller businesses that are using, you know, Google business apps or, you know, they're stored on their whatever cloud that so it's it's I can I can see how we should be concerned about how the data is being stored and who has it by nature of the companies that are actually holding on to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think that the tech companies that are supporting people like us in registration, whatever, like they should have their shit together. And maybe we should be asking more questions of them as to how the data is stored. Where is it backed up? Is it ever exported? Like how safe is my data? Um, 
definitely we should be asking more of those questions and we probably should look for, look within a little bit too to say you know do you really need to keep this data in your google drive like is it is it important that it's there i think we're probably going to see like a, a very a decline now that we're kind of getting away from virtual events being the primary factor of events like i think we're going to see a decline in companies giving a shit about security and privacy i think for a little while like like i said like people are always asking me for uh, the dpas the data protection addendums to contracts like yeah. now i don't ever get asked for one i feel like that's going to happen but it's it's now more. it's less it's less like even this conversation is less about an organization and their data and more about an attendee and their data because this mm. <clears throat> like how we started this with the tech crunch is about an attendee am i correct yeah Nick? yeah, yeah. attendee yeah, right. is the one that started this so that is that's more of my like that's more of my concern i think that the you know do the, you think the, there's more the risk data for privacy rights between you and an organization that gets dealt out in contracting and legal and my legal and their legal mm -hmm. and we figure that out but when it comes down to how does an attendee feel about the way their data is being captured and used? That's the stuff that we're going to have to face um, and figure and figure that out. So to bring it back to that topic, then uh, specifically the article is like, do you think that we're at risk that more and more events should be concerned about their attendees potentially taking legal action for potentially even a mistake they're not? A hundred percent aware even happened. So, like, mm -hmm. you know, my, one of my my other big questions I was going to ask was, how much of this was the fact that it was the vendor's fault, one vendor who made a big mistake, versus like a a larger trend of just someone's not happy with facial rec facial recognition or whatever, um, or is it that you know everything was ducks were li lined up and then this person found like one single vulnerability with it? But like, how much do we have to be worried that like this is now going to be the new equivalent of tripping on the crack at the venue? Mm -hmm. Well, I think if you're if you're putting a program together, whatever that is, trade show, conference, event, whatever in your world, if you're putting something together and you know you're using tools that are new, you know you're using tools that are not commonly seen, then you better do your due diligence to figure out how do you ensure that you're deploying that safely. And I think this is where transparency is the most important. This is where telling your attendees what they will expect and not when they p walk past it but not when they see the sign their, for strobes and lasers are going to be present at this event yeah prior to their arrival like they should know that this is a part of it you have the right i think as a as a show producer or, you know a, an organization that's putting on to decide how you want to capture data and every attendee should have the right to say i don't want to be a part of that and if they don't want to be a part of that then that's okay well so here's the thing with this event uh they they decided, or they 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 got them on GDPR is pretty pretty far. So in in, in North America, maybe, but U yeah. U.S. for sure. If you tell somebody if you don't like something, you don't have to come. That generally works, but in Europe, this was not the case. So they they didn't have an alternative to attend this event. Which you're like, well, what right is it your years to attend an event? But in their laws, you have to be able to collect data that doesn't exclude anyone. Yeah. So they had no other way to attend this event other than giving up their biometric uh, information. Uh, that's a violation of GDPR. So th that's an interesting element yeah. of it that yeah. the and um, I can I can see that Nick. Like I I I take I it's take valid. It's when a I said good back. I think it I think it is valid as and th this you is should have that the person, choice. This is coming from the person that doesn't care, right? Yeah, I would I do, scan my face. I, take it. Yeah, I yeah. I, I take. A I use Instagram and I think. And I think that you should have, <laughs> especially when we're talking about biometrics, I think you should have a non-biometric option. You should have a way to enter the event without... Which, but, by the way, if they would but, have done... But, 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 but,
That's this is hard though because let's say you've invested and put cameras everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like so, this is where like I, Nick knows the technology way better than me. Obviously, is that like you obviously you can't just like make the camera turn itself off. Oh hey, Will's walking up. Like turn the camera off automatically. Turn it back on. Will's here. You know, but. You know, the 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 question is like that's where you almost need technologies that it depends how you're doing some stuff to Zenus, right? Like mm-hmm. I just thinking like it's so hard if it's kinda like having like the RFIDs. If you made it where literally it's gonna scan RFID every time someone walks through a door, if your choice is you, like go in but, another door. Yeah, it would be that. So it depends on the use case. In this instance, it was used for registration. So the, as far as I can see, and again, this is not a use case that we do because we don't do facial recognition, uh, as, as much as uh, I guess as much as I understand this, all they would have to do is, would, have, would have been to create another line similar to like TSA where you can say, I opt out, I go through this. Yeah. Uh, so if, yeah. you, if you're if you like Dustin and myself, you're like, scan my face, you know, take two oh, pictures. I love it. Uh, yeah, I, there's the pre-check I, line and if the- If you take the, me, yeah. if you shave three minutes of my life, I'll give you, you know, my social totally. security number. So- um, <laughs> And please take my te- take my temperature at the same time. Yeah, I will take I your- so, I will exactly. I shave three minutes of your life. I'll end this podcast three minutes so I can get your social security number, Nick. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, I mean, I'm, first off, I, I'm fairly certain actually that you do have it. Uh, Based on paperwork I filled that, out for you. This is also very true. <laughs> yeah, yeah so I, didn't, I didn't fill out that paperwork, Nick. Uh, yeah. Come on I, now. See, hey, so I'm, I'm worse you than freely, you, Dustin. If you freely give I, it to I me, really then I can, I can use it for nefarious reasons. But if I'm an employer and I take your social security number off our employee database and then do yeah, it. I respect other people's. I'm probably getting uh, it. <laughs> I respect other people's privacy much more than I respect my own. I couldn't agree with you more there. Uh, it, I'm so cynical on on data collection it, uh, in the same way as I'm cynical about food prep. So like in working in F&B, I've seen everything and I'm like, I either I'm never going to eat or I'm just going to go, I don't care. I, I'm the same way. Yeah. So don't like even get, I'm so ignorantly blissful that yeah. I don't want to know. And I've spent I've so much time learning about social media and like, yeah. you know, I, I just assume I'm, you know, I have no privacy. It's fine. Yeah, don't tell me you haven't had a suspiciously old s- sandwich in a crew room <laughs> at some point in your life, and you live to tell about it. <laughs> I've once, yeah, there's everyone's had that sandwich where you bite into it, and you're like, this bread's a little hard, and the meat's and a like, little I weird. I don't care. I'm the starving. Burger- I'm eating it. The Burger King Sometimes. where I used to uh, where I used to live in Ohio, the Burger King that was like right by my house, uh, was it went viral uh, in 2012 uh, because uh, there was uh, a guy who took photos that was working there of his feet in the le- uh, lettuce bin. So he had like one lettuce bin in each shoe, and you can like Google it if you like lettuce feet Burger King. Yeah, you'll find the photos. And like I saw that, and I was like, oh, that's crazy. Anyways, and I continue to eat there for a decade. <laughs> Great, and we're probably going to get sued by Burger King now. I'm sure. So. Well, I mean, that's very much out there. So it's like uh, the opposite of sponsorship. You get sued by somebody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, they take money Cost away from money. you for brand yeah, mentions. But all that's all that said is, it, it depends on the deployment. I mean, I think that a biggest part of like this deployment was like risk reward, right? So like, mm-hmm. you know, if they would have like look first off, if they would have given people an option, I think they would have uh, got out of this. Uh, so like, that's something that a good tech provider should be able to tell you is like, Hey, you know, like legally we can absolutely deploy our technology, but there's limits, right? So like a big part of like what we do at Zenus is like saying like, we don't collect all that. We could give you quote unquote more data, 
Uh, but we choose not to because we we are we're prioritizing the the safety uh, of the attendees information over all the stuff we could grab from you with with you know mm -hmm. the tweaks of the technology uh, and and this company could have said like we could make this process faster for the 99% of people who don't care in b2b events to go you know right through and and offer an opportunity for the 1 per, you know percent of people who do that that's the right thing to do um, mm -hmm. and that's the good supplier thing to do is to say like yeah we're going to give you an option. We're not perfect. It's not a cure-all, but we, you know, we're a 99% solution. We're an 85% solution. I mean, even some of the data sets that we give to people, they're not 100% accurate. Of course. Uh, yeah. Yes. And and we 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 tell people that up front. Like we're we're up against, you know, zero, so like 85 yeah. is a big jump. But like yeah. the you know, like you have to be open to people and say that. And this organization with Mobile World Congress, I don't know the ins and the outs of it, but I assume they didn't say there's a way for you to, you know, pretty much, you know, do make this faster for the majority. Uh, but they wanted to be, you know, everything. And what that makes me think, Nick, is that mm. I believe that the onus is on the tech. To, totally. To be the expert in this. And I think far too often we ask your your average hardworking event prof to know too much about fucking everything. And I think yep. this is this this is a world where we should be relying on tech to be giving us the right advice and deploying products that are legal in the space that we're working and yep. are ethical and that we fully understand what we can turn up and turn down and understand, you know, ultimately understand the risks of what that looks like. And I think that this is like, you know, I think the the whole tech industry should just start a fund, a fucked up fund where they all can they can all just like go play and take all the risks they want and they can bail themselves out because that <laughs> that ultimately is, you know, in this and as much as it's shitty for this organization to have this quarter million dollar mistake, it's like somebody had to make it and now it's been done. Now we can figure out the road forward. And it, I mean, it sucks for them, but that may be the only way that we start to figure our way through this and start to push the boundaries because data is always going to be about pushing a boundary. It's always going to be about finding that line and walking it as close as we can. And I think there's, it's this is this is just the way it is and i think you know i i like i use this analogy all the time where it's like all these people that are like oh i hate being tracked and the government's always following me and they're following me on my phone and this and that but they're the same people that live on google maps because it gives them the fastest route to where they're going shows them where the construction is it's like how the fuck do you think that happens like do you think google's just got a person on every street corner like that is the benefit of allowing your data to be put in there and i think yep. that in in our world we can make better events we can make better experiences for for attendees for everybody that's there and it's going to take it's going to take some data and it's going to take some trust from the attendee from the consumer to allow us to do that and we then have to trust the tech companies to make sure they're leading us down a path that is ethical and legal and when shit hits the fan they should be the ones standing in front of it yeah i mean uh, i i am with you on the good the good partner part of it being like the the crux of it uh I really don't think that it's um, a valid or uh, the right thing for me to say that event planners need to become experts in, you know, privacy law as well as, you know, experts in the other hundred things they have to be experts mm -hmm. in. Uh, and uh, I, I think about it in the same way I would from like, like, say, production, uh, like, so like, Will, like, you know, if you someone said to you, I need this, you know, I don't know, uh, this this piece hung from the ceiling and it has to spin in like you know uh, 30 miles an hour or, you know to have our logo on it and, uh, right yeah, above where the speakers the, are the rigging and all the safety compliance right. around and if, if it wasn't 
And yeah, and if it wasn't safe, y- yeah, y- you wouldn't no. say. I, would like, say no, okay, I was just do doing it. what I was asked to do, right? Like, yeah. y- you wouldn't could you imagine. Yeah, could yeah. you imagine that, right? Like, oh, this tent, you know, like it's on, you know. Uh, I think that if, still if happens rains, for the rec- That's for the record. Oh, it, it still but, does happen, but, that, but it's completely yeah, a false. It's a low barrier. I think, to but I think, but I think it's a, I think it's, a, I think it's an excellent example when you're working with a reputable production team. Yeah. They're not going to, and it's not about not letting you. They're just not going to. They're not going yeah. to put themselves at risk. Their team at risk. They'd their walk out. At risk. They'd walk out. They just feel like I'm not doing it. And Tech needs to walk the, out too. That's and yes, there are like there are certain parts, and I think it's maybe more geographical. There are certain locations that aren't as stringent on safety as we are here in North America and much of Europe. So take all of take all of that aside like you would never in a million years find a production a reputable production company in canada flying truss over somebody's head that isn't done properly and if you said hey i just you know all those chain falls are driving me crazy cut them in half they'd be like go fly a fucking kite like there's no fucking yeah yeah i'm not doing it i don't really care and i think and i think that's the kind of attitude we need towards this is when we're asked you know when tech companies are asked to do something that crosses the line they just say no yeah and it's their job to inform you you know, uh, for alternatives that, uh, you know, get you get you eighty five percent of the way there. You know, and, and and find that acceptable, right? Like, so, like I'm I'm frequently in these conversations where pe- people are like asking if we could do a certain thing, and it, we're just like, uh, like unfortunately, no, because if we do, if anything was like this, it would be a personal uh, identifiable information that we're gathering. So, it's just not possible. Like, it's just not something we do. Uh, and and tech generally is is trying to be like oh well whatever we can just sort of change the scope or you know uh, be a product that that just delivers on whatever everyone wants. Um, mm-hmm. We have to. Rel- I mean, I think that that's probably the the, the scary part is that the planners are are generally with whether they know it or not reliant on all of the like reliant on a, a caterer to say yeah we can't serve that in the summer like we can't you know mm-hmm. we can't. Uh, you know, have this out there in, in if it rains, we can't like all these things that uh, are just yes and no things. And, and, you know, we, I think we, I think it's taken for granted when it comes to tech and, and data, it's the same idea. Like cater, planners are not food temp, uh, you know, like geniuses and they're not tated. Yeah. Like they, they know to a limit, but after that they have a level of trust on the professionalism of mm-hmm. who they hire. Yeah, let's treat let's treat data and tech like we treat personal safety. Let's make yeah. it just as important. And we don't, you know, we're not all experts in it, but we know when to ask the right question. We know when we need an expert at the table. We know when we need a consultant to come and support us on it. And we figured, like, I think we figured that out really well. Like, I think, yes, of course, there's exceptions to the rule. But when we're talking about, you know, the the more reputable parts of our industry, which I think is a, a big part of our industry, we we figured that out. We have figured this ask part out. We know for certification when exactly. Like you know, ask for that. ask tough questions, uh, and and see if they flinch. You know, like the vetting process is one of the most important things a planner can do, is to be able to uh, you know they they put the safety of their attendees. Uh, the the goals of their event, oftentimes third party, uh, their clients' needs in the hands of other people that don't work for them directly. A big mm-hmm. part of the job, as you you know, as you know, Dustin, is to be able to have an external team of people that you trust it's, with it's your the whole entire job. It's the whole job, right? So it's the whole job. Yeah. Yeah. Tech yeah. is it's just as liable to make mistakes, to yeah. be. Uh, you know, to to p- potentially you know disrupt these things, it's not 
it's not outside of that. Like it, it, mm-hmm. bad chicken can, can make people go to the hospital uh, and, and bad tech with when it comes to data can, you know, put, uh, create a, a, a huge problem for everyone. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I think I think something that would be really helpful for our industry is some sort of certification that will tell us that there are data certifications like that is specific to like is there data certifications in our world Tons and the companies that we would see or oh. yeah yeah i mean that's where like sock 2 comes in and everything like that too right hmm. well that's something that we need to like we need to like pump those tires and but get th- them there's out data there security the world like this exactly is what that you can there's data security which is broader than the events industry data. uh and uh you know and and frankly you want that broadness you know like it, it's it, depending on how how it's used, uh, you want it to be. I can't tell you know, I don't. I don't think an event one would be. Good <laughs> or we should probably wrap this one up. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we'll wrap. He could still be talking. So if we're talking over Nick, <laughs> we're my, sorry. Can you not? Uh, you me? froze. But the good news is, Nick, you made it to the end of the podcast. So <laughs> oh, whatever's I, going I'm on, right. whatever you've got going on on your Wi-Fi over there, you need to uh, you need to clean it up for next week. Well, that was a great chat. Well, I'm yes. I always love talking tech and data. It's my favorite thing hmm. to talk about. Um, especially with you, because you are my Thanks. resident nerd. I love being the resident nerd. I know you do. <laughs> I know it's you just do. me. Um, always curious to hear no, um, from the folks that listen to this. Um, I, I think in this, I'd love to hear what you know. What are you coming across? Where's that? Where's the appetite for data from your clients, and where are you most concerned? What concerns you the most about this? Because I think that even after this conversation, I'm starting to like think about some things that I want to do better um, within my organization. And I think let's treat data Anything? like personal safety and um, give it the respect that it deserves. So you can always, always email us at hmm. eventbrew. eventbrew at helloendless.com. <laughs> Damn, I just about nailed it. Damn. Um, and yeah, any of the socials, hit us up. We always love hearing from you all. And when you fill our inbox, usually we like it when you send us nice notes and where you're not mad at us. So if we could do that, that would be great. Yes, please no mean notes. No mean <laughs> notes. We're very sensitive. I know you wouldn't believe it, but you know, Will <laughs> takes this stuff very seriously. And he has to vet them all. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we hope you're having a great week, weekend, day, night, whenever you're listening to this. And we will see you next time on Eventbrew. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Eventbrew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Eventbrew. Brew.